Hello, I am Zelda Volkov, and you are listening to the Oh My God podcast. This is a space where honest conversation and raw interaction takes place. In these 25 minutes, I interview badass trailblazers and industry leaders about the things that they had to overcome to achieve success. The challenges that they face as human beings first and as industry leaders second leaving you with actionable techniques and takeaways to implement into your life immediately, taking you from where you are right now to where you want to go. This week's guest is Yael Brom. Yael is a paralegal who specializes in divorce. With first-hand and years of experience, Yael works to ensure that people going through the process of divorce understand what's going on and make sure they feel heard. She's a wife, a mom, and an advocate. We hope you'll enjoy this week's episode. Now, over to Zelda. Hi, Al. It is such a pleasure and honor to have you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited to learn more about you and what you do and who you are. And I'm really, really excited to um, engage in this conversation specifically because of uh, my own story of my own divorce and um, I know that a lot of the women that listen to this podcast um, are possibly contemplating divorce, are currently in the process of divorce, um, and I just feel like it's something that is going to be so inspiring for everybody. So thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Um, so yeah, why don't you tell us where you're from, you know, kind of your backstory, and we'll take Sure. It. So I have an interesting story a little bit. So I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey. Um, my parents, you know, I had a great upbringing. My parents um, were not from, I wasn't from growing up. Um, as I got older, my parents started getting more and more involved in the from world. Um, when my grandmother died, I was, I was a teenager, like early teens. Um, my dad wanted to say cottage for her and we grew up reform. So my father had, my father's an attorney. He has um, quite a few lawyers who work for him. One of the lawyers who worked for him also was a rabbi. So he said, you know, if you want to like do the most stringent thing for your mother, you have to say Kaddish three times a day. And my dad was like, okay, like, where do I do that? Cause at my temple, we do it Friday nights. And like, oh, well you have to go to, there's a minion like around the corner of the Chabad of Midtown and you can say Kaddish there. So my father started going there to say cottage for my grandmother and he became friends with everybody. You know, he became good friends with the rabbi there, Rabbi Metzger. Um, then he started representing them. <laughs> um, and slowly but surely my father became from that way by going to this Chabad house that now we're like totally part of their family. They're part of ours. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much how it works. So I grew up completely went to, you know, regular high school. Um, That's so and then So how did that process look like for you personally? So for me, it was very interesting because I grew up, we grew up traditional, like Shabbat dinner. Um, we drove to temple. Um, you know, we would go on Saturdays as a family as well. Norm, not always, but more Friday night, we always went as a family. Um, and you know, it kind of was like a slow process. Like my dad would start putting on to fill in every day. Um, 
he would insist that we don't go out Friday nights, which no teenager wants to hear when you're partying every Friday night. Um, and then it's slowly like, you know, I would say slowly things, you know, he started taking things on and then we started as a family, not so much my brother. He's not from at all. Um, so but he yeah, accepted and you guys took it on. Yeah. He didn't accept it. He wasn't so interested. He was very like, he was very happy with being traditional. We grew up very like into Israel, going on vacation to Israel all the time. Um, and he was like totally fine with that. He just didn't have like the interest of becoming from, which was like okay with my parents. They were totally fine with it. I Did was very interested. Oh, you were interested. I was interested. Um, so I started going to the Chabad house near our house um, with my father. And then when I graduated high school, I was supposed to go to college. Um, I was actually in Israel. Um, I was supposed to go to college in Israel, in Haifa. And so the summer after I graduated high school, I was in Haifa, of course, that's when the war happened with Hezbollah. Oh. So I was stuck in a bomb shelter for a while. That was great. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I came home because my cousin had a baby. My father was Sandik. So I came home. And the day before I was supposed to leave for, for college, my dad was like, you're going to seminary. I was like, what seminary? <laughs> wow. Like, I'm going to start college. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, no, like, you're going to seminary. Like, try it out for a week. If you don't like it, you could leave. So I said, okay. So I got there. And my mind was, like, blown. Like, I rocked up in, like, short shorts and a tank top with a nose ring. My hair actually looked like it does now, but this is a wig. <laughs> um, and I was just, like, so confused. I was like, why does everyone have good hair? Like, I didn't realize that everyone was wearing a wig. Right. <laughs> I was like, what is happening here? And I was shocked. Like, really, I was shell-shocked. Like, completely. I didn't understand why it was, like, only girls. Like, in my mind, you know, I went to public school. Right. Wow. Like, that's a real, real transition. And how, but you took it all on fondly, positively. No, not at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. We had curfew. We couldn't go to town. And, like, meanwhile, I grew up going to Israel. I had friends who were Israeli, like, in Israel, you know, the culture is like, you don't go out till 10 o'clock at night. Right. We had a curfew. We had to be home at like 930. Right. No boys, nothing. No boys. I'm like, what do you mean? I grew up with having guy friends. Like, right. what do you mean? And why are these girls so excited that some guy named like Shmuley was like talking to them? <laughs> I'm like, why are you guys so excited? And why can't your parents know? <laughs> wow. How did you adjust then? How did that work? Um, so in the beginning, I could not wait to get out. I thought I was in prison. Um, no, I really was, like, I was in prison. Like, it wasn't like I thought I was in prison. I was definitely in prison. Right. Especially because, like, I had a typical high school experience. Parties, you know, when the parents weren't home, like, house parties, you know what I mean? Like, for real, like. Right, like a real. Like a real American high school experience. Yeah. So, like, all of a sudden, I'm doing, like, we're having, like, keg parties at my friends' houses, and then all of a sudden, I'm, like, in lockdown with these girls wearing long skirts. <laughs> I, was, I was so confused. Yeah. So how did you, so how did that work? How did you navigate that? So first, um, I told my parents I wanted to leave. This is a world shit show. Like, I'm not happy here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, like, go out. <laughs> and my parents, well, my dad, really my mom was like, 
I think she like felt bad for me. But my dad was like, just try it a little longer, see if you like it. So I said, okay, I'll try it out. This was, the seminary was called Mechlaud Esther. It's like a modern Orthodox seminary, but like a lot of people like flip out as they call it, like become more from. Um, so, but to me, modern Orthodox was like, I don't even know what the word is for you. Like, right. A bunch of like little God people, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like extreme. Like beyond extreme. Yeah. Um, so then when I, once like I said, okay, I'm kind of stuck here. Like I see that every time I try to leave, my parents aren't really letting me. Right. <laughs> I decided, okay, when in Rome, I'll just like see what they're talking about. See if I find any interest in it. Slowly, I started making friends. Um, I was interested in learning. I was interested in learning more about where we come from, what, you know, also like things about like Shabbos. Like I didn't, I never kept Shabbos in my life. So I was interested as to like why we don't drive to Shul. I was interested in all those little questions. I never like flipped out. I never became like someone with Balt Shuva syndrome or anything like that. Right. So, because I did have some exposure to from people because of Chabad, like the Chabad house near our house and the Chabad house that my dad would go to in the city. But I, and it's funny because I always felt like closer to Chabad, probably only because the only exposure to from people I had was through Chabad. <laughs> right. And that was your first exposure also. Right. So I was very interested in it. Um, I liked it. I started becoming from very slowly. Um, like very, like very slowly. <laughs> and then when my year was over, they opened up a seminary called Mayanot, which is for like Balshubas that are Lubavitch, Chabad. Um, and so I decided, I actually started dating now my ex-husband, but at the time he, he was my boyfriend, he was Lubavitch. And I felt obviously an even, either, like an even stronger connection to Chabad. So I decided to join that seminary. And there I really fell in love with Hasidus and I fell in love with the general Chabad culture coming out of like what the modern Orthodox culture was like, where it was more like, I remember in class, they had like some rabbits in and they were like, okay, girls, if Hashem is our king, what does that make us? And this girl, she raised her hand, she's from the five towns and she goes, that makes us his princesses. <laughs> I died. <laughs> I died. I was like, what? Wow. Yeah. Get me out of here. <laughs> so once I saw that, like, my note was more serious and not like all fluff, and then I came to America and got married. <laughs> wow. So you got married to your boyfriend. I got married. Sorry. I'm just sorry about that. Um, I got married to well, my, my boyfriend. Um, pretty much like we got engaged right away. Nice. So you yeah. got married and then you... You got married and then you got divorced? Yeah, we got married. We got divorced four years later, about. Four years later. So, and then um, you immediately got remarried or no? No, not immediately. I was single for two years. Oh, nice. It's a good amount of time. And, um, and so how did you, what do you do now and how did you get into that? So growing up in a very legal I guess legal family, you would say. My father's an attorney. A bunch of my cousins are attorneys. My aunts and uncles. I mean, you pretty much name it. Um, a normal conversation would be like my parents would yell at each other. My my mother not yell, but like you know, 
like joking around, yelling at each other, my dad, my mom would be like, you're not in the middle of a cross-examination to my dad. You know, like that's how we grew up. Right. Um, my father has his own law firm. So we grew up, you know, going to my dad's firm and seeing how everything works. And whenever my dad was stressed out, it was because he was in the middle of a huge deposition or trial or whatever. Um, so from a young age, I decided I wanted to be an attorney. But because I went to seminary, then got married right after, then had a baby, then got divorced, I realized that going to college and going to law school would be a little bit too difficult for me. Um, especially because I was like kind of all alone, you know? I was in Crown Heights. My parents got divorced while I was in seminary. So my mother was in Queens. My father was in Manhattan. So it's not like I had that much help in Crown Heights. Right. So I decided to become a paralegal and I loved it. Um, and I, I really, I enjoyed it. You know, it was something I could use the way that I think was appreciated. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. So then when I did that, as I'm sure, you know, when you go through a divorce, you become friends with people who are getting divorced or have gone through divorce. Yeah. It's almost like, like attract, sorry, yeah. like attracts light. Like, Absolutely. so, um, when people knew that I was a paralegal or if they knew my father was an attorney, I, I guess they thought that I would know through osmosis. <laughs> they would ask me to look at their divorce agreements or ask me, um, to talk to their attorneys or to the Besden, um, and see if I could help them. And of course I always said yes, because any way for me to help, I would do it. So this kind of accumulated throughout the years, just like keep helping. I kept helping. I kept helping. Um, and then recently, um, I was actually helping somebody with their divorce and it was a very, very tricky, crazy situation. My husband said to me, you know, why don't you open up your own practice? You love this. You love this more than doing anything else in the world. This is your passion. Just do it. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Which is so not my type, by the way, because I'm not somebody who puts herself out there at all. Like even talking to you on this podcast is like not even how I am. Like totally, totally not. It's amazing. You know, life, life happens in the, in this, in the space, in the space of the alone, in the space of the, the fear and in the risk. That's amazing. That yeah. You, first of all, that you, it's amazing that you found your passion. You know, most people don't even know what their passions are because we get so stuck in the familiar and it's right. scary to test things and to try things out. So nobody even really, a lot of people don't live their whole lives and they don't know their passion because they haven't tested it out. So they haven't even reached it, you know? So the fact that you're able to know clear, clearly, this is my passion and develop that and, uh, you know, create this like skill around it is. But you know, it's really funny. Whenever someone would say like, what is your passion? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was always, I wish I could be an attorney. I miss the boat, you know, so I don't really know what I want to do because that was the only thing I wanted to do. Right. And like now it's like, it was almost like under my nose all of these years. And, and I guess like it didn't hit me. Thank God my husband like thought of it because <laughs> I would still be miserable. Wow. That's amazing that you have such a supportive husband. How did you guys yeah. meet? Well, it's a funny story. <laughs> it's a little bit like embarrassing for me. Yeah. But, um, so I was on, I don't know if you ever heard of from divorce singles. It's like a, it's a Facebook group for divorced people. I do. I think I'm on it. Yeah. So I was on it. 
my husband was on it. Um, I saw, this is so ridiculous. It's almost embarrassing, but I don't care. If it's the truth, it's not ridiculous. Right, I guess. <laughs> um, it's definitely cringy. So he commented on something, I don't even remember what it was. And I was so impressed with his grammar. <laughs> that is so cute. It tells you that what my standards were back then. That's so cute. That's hilarious. He commented on something else, like a different something else, or on you? No, nothing to do with me. I was like looking through the post. I'm like, oh, he wrote that really nicely. Like, I'm very impressed with his punctuation. <laughs> so I liked the comment. Nothing. I friend requested him. Nothing. I'm like, what am I going to do to get this guy to notice me? Like, hello, I'm putting myself out there for you. You didn't message him. No. So what I did was, and this is so not my type, and even saying this is like, anyone who knows me was like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. Yeah. <laughs> I messaged him and I said, hey, do I know you? <laughs> and this asshole wrote back, no, not yet, winky face. That's so cute. That is so cute. First of all, that's amazing. I love the story. I don't think anything is cringeworthy and i don't know it's pretty cringeworthy you don't think that's cringeworthy message them or because you said do i do do i know you like do i know you because like you sent me a friend request meaning i was acting like he's the one who sent me a friend request right so maybe that part a little bit but i think that <laughs> i send out messages left right and center like i think that it's amazing to 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 see what you want and go get it i think there's nothing cringeworthy right about that at all i think it and look where you are you got married and that guy actually yeah to find your purpose and your passion. I know, hello, how crazy is that? Two weeks later, we were engaged. <laughs> That's truly amazing. How long did you guys date? So we actually dated, so we dated for two weeks. We got engaged, yeah, two weeks later, and then we were engaged for a year. What's like, wow, within two weeks you got engaged? Yeah, we were crazy. Wow. When like, you know, you know, I guess. Like we're religious? Yeah, but like not like so, firm. first of all, my husband wasn't firm at all then. He was completely like fried out. He grew up um, like Hamish, Hasidish, and Borough Park. And so he was able to just get married in two weeks, get engaged in two weeks? Yeah, because he was, I mean, his kids were from, he has two kids from his first marriage. Yeah. Um, they were growing up like super from Lakewood, Yeshivish. He grew up like Hamish, Hasidish, and Borough Park. So it was kind of like expected, you know, if he was going to get engaged, it was going to be quick. Right, that's from his background. I'm saying if he were right. all his life, chances are he wouldn't be getting engaged in two weeks. But that's probably not. But maybe I don't know because we were crazy. Like he was um, smitten by you. I guess he was. I definitely was. I was like obsessed. Crazy. That's so beautiful. That's incredible. Thank I know, you. I know the second time around was always so tricky. I mean, I've been divorced for three years, and there's always this fear of am I going to make the right choice? Am I, you know, am I being right? being impulsive what's going on like when you right. the time, there's always so much because nobody wants to be divorced twice you know I mean nobody wants to be divorced once either but right but especially twice totally yeah, exactly so and you know nobody wants to be divorced twice but I also hope whoever's listening to this and if they are contemplating divorce a second time or you know whatever the case may be that it's so much better to be divorced twice than be in a bad marriage or be a hundred percent no I'm pull the trigger. Don't keep yourself stuck in a bad situation. And it happens to be that um, getting the statistics are, I can't remember the exact numbers. I don't have it in front of me, but there's a higher chance of getting divorced a second time than there is even a first time. So 
Wow. You're pretty much on track if you do get divorced for a second time because. Interesting. That's that's. I think you're like three times. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. But um, wow. So you so so you really found your passion and purpose, and that's so beautiful. And I think it's you know my my podcast and the reason why I created this space is really to have these types of raw and real conversations. And most people, you know, we see success at the end. You know, we we see people in their success at the end of you know, overcoming all their setbacks and challenges and heartbreaks. Oh, and there were many, at least for me. Yeah, exactly. And it's usually the setbacks and the failures that actually get us to our success. 100%. Yeah. 100%. With you, you know, the fact that you were divorced, the fact that you um, went, you know, that you didn't do law school, that you did the paralegal, I think also helped you create this thing. You know, who knows if you were a lawyer, you maybe would have been content in your, your law practice or whatever it may be. And the fact that you, it's hundred percent. So, yeah. It's so, um, that's amazing. It's a beautiful story. What could you, um, share with, um, with our listeners as a, you know, the la- your last words of, um, maybe inspiration or motivation, you know, if someone is currently in a space where they are lacking motivation or they're anxious or stressed or just, you know, not in a, in a good head space, what would you advise well as somebody who has been through anxiety and i mean like bad anxiety um and someone who has been depressed and someone who really has felt stuck and almost like in a fog i can tell you that first of all it gets better and i know everyone says that like okay you ask yourself when when is that going to be um i can tell you that use the resources around you if you need a therapist if you can't afford one get a free one um try and just try to claw your way out of it whatever possible way you can get out of it do it you have to cry cry if you have to you know there's this quote i think muhammad ali said that if you can't oh no martin luther king if you can't walk crawl and if you know whatever you have to do to keep going forward to do it that's beautiful and i'm a big believer in that that's amazing that's beautiful um yeah al where could um our listeners find you so they could find me um, on Instagram. It's S lower, lower slash, I guess you would call it, underscore. Yeah. Um, S underscore F underscore superior. No, my husband's in the room and he's telling me that's not it. What is it? Well, you know what? I'm going to actually tag you. When okay, the, even better. When the podcast drops, I'll tag you. So it's your Instagram that they can find. It's my Instagram um, and they can find me there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's and also my work line if they want to call me on that, but no one does that these days. We offer services to help people navigate their divorce uh, situation. Um, yeah, I offer services to help people go through their divorce. I help them invest in, I help them with getting attorneys. Um, I make sure that they completely understand what's going on at all times and they're, and they're heard. That's amazing. In whatever channel that is. And also I look through the documents, make sure everything's going the way it needs to go for my client. And I basically fight for my client. That's beautiful. That's incredible. Thank you. Um, and definitely, uh, I'm sure there's lots of women, even men, that um, will be so glad to, to know about this. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank of course. You for your story. This was really entertaining and interesting for me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for it to drop. I'll see you. Me too. Okay. Today. Me too. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Oh My God with Zelda Volkov. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to leave a review, share it with your friends, and subscribe so that you don't miss next week's episode.
tune in next week for another interview with another badass boss. Thank you.